0: I wonder if you'd turn in your Bibles this morning to John's Gospel, John chapter 1. It is my plan this morning and this evening uh, to read John 1, 1 through 5, the opening five verses of John's Gospel, and it's my plan to unpack a little bit of that in what now has become uh, a very significant day in the life of your congregation, because uh, your elders uh, have had to take some significant decisions uh, going forward for the foreseeable future, And uh, I wanted to bring God's Word into the midst of that situation. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. And we pray that God would speak to us uh, as we open up uh, his word. It's wonderful to uh, open up God's word on uh, a lectern uh, that says, Sir, we would see Jesus. And when we open up John's Gospel, when we crack open chapter 1, the opening five verses uh, of John's Gospel, what's happening is that you and I, as God's people, sitting in the presence of God, listening to His Word, in actual fact are seeing Jesus. But we're not simply, sir, we would see Jesus, sir, we would see the eternal Jesus. And don't lose sight of the reason why I say the eternal Jesus. You know, this is the, the beginning uh, of our journey today as a, an interim moderator with a church uh, that is not the one that I principally uh, am called to lead. But as we open the Word of God, that's what we must do every day of our lives. And we must come under the authority of the Word of God and listen to the Word of God would say to us, for our insight, for our direction, for our authority, and for our light. And when we open John's gospel, the gospel according to John, I don't know what your favorite gospel is, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John or whether you're just a lover uh, or, or of the entire revelation of God in Christ as we receive it uh, in, in the Gospels. But I've got a kind of a lifelong passion with John's Gospel. It's not because that's my name, you know, but uh, I've just got a lifelong connection, a lifelong passion. Uh, it was the preaching of this Gospel that brought me to the place of repentance and faith. It was the message of this Gospel that brought me to that place where humbled and surrendered all that I am to him. And I love the fact that this gospel is written uh, by one of my namesakes, a man named John. Because you will know that Peter, James, and John enjoyed Uh, which seems like uh, an even more unique relationship to Jesus than uh, the other disciples. All of the disciples were there in the presence of Jesus. They were all being discipled. But time and time again, we read about Peter, James, and John and and their close proximity to Jesus. When we read John's gospel, you'll hear him often say, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And it's only as you get to the end of the gospel that in actual fact you find uh, that it comes out that in actual fact He is the disciple whom Jesus loved. And so, there was a unique relationship, a unique friendship between John, the gospel writer, and our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to pause just for a moment. I want you to think about that little phrase, a friend of Jesus. A friend of Jesus. This very gospel tells us, you are my friends, the Lord Jesus speaking. You are my friends if you do what I command. Think about those words. The Lord Jesus Christ speaking into your heart if you're a follower, speaking into your heart if you're a believer, speaking into your heart if you have, by repentance and faith, put all your trust in Him. You are my friends if you do what I command. John's writing is a friend of Jesus. You and I are gathering, and I don't mean uh, that we make the Almighty the Almighty. That's not what I'm saying, right? But you and I are gathering in the presence of the living God, and because of the work of Jesus Christ accomplished and applied to our lives, you and I are invited by the Lord Jesus Christ to be friends of Jesus. You're a friend of Jesus. A friend of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I, I... I know one or two people that are vaguely famous. You know, celebrity status, right? You know, it's an odd thing, isn't it? Celebrity status. You know, the the world makes much of celebrities. And, uh, you know, sometimes people will say, Do you know them? You've got their number in your phone. And it's like, wow. And I think nothing of it. They're just flesh and blood they're just people. If you want to be impressed, I'm a friend of Jesus. If you want to be impressed, I'm a friend of the eternal Jesus. If you want to be impressed, I'm a friend of the Almighty. Now, that's wow. Celebrities are not wow. A friend of Jesus is something quite remarkable. I want us for a moment, as we, we, we open up in John's Gospel, just to stop and think. Stop and think about uh, what it is to be in a special relationship with Jesus Christ. He invites us to follow. He invites us to be His. He makes us sons and daughters of the living God. Now, sometimes we don't pause long enough to actually think about who we are in Christ. And and, and none of it is your doing. None none of it is you've achieved that, you've accomplished. This is all a gift of God's grace. You know, John's gospel is so rich in the grace of God, right? It's all a gift of God's grace. But you are, because of what Jesus accomplished in Calvary's cross and applied to your life, by repentance and faith, you're a friend of Christ. You're a son or a daughter of the living God. You're in communion with the God who is the author of all creation. And I want you just in that pause this morning, in that reflection this morning, to ask a little question. Do you really know Him, or do you just know about Him? Do you really know Him? or do you just know about Him? We're going to be in a very interesting place over the next few weeks and months. Because if we're honest, as God's people, as believers, as members of this church, we can sometimes depend upon all the structure that this church puts in place to prop up a relationship. We can sometimes depend upon, uh, you know, the gathering together of the people of God. These are good things. These odd things. These are blessings from God Almighty, right? But we can sometimes depend upon the gathering together, the praise of the name, the gathering of the people, the preaching by the minister or the preacher of the Word. We can sometimes depend upon those things to actually kind of increase the the, the fervor, increase the intimacy of a relationship. But the reality is God invites you day by day to know Him. We're going to be in a place where we're not going to have those gatherings— my question is, is it going to be a time in which we, as the people of God, get to know him even greater than perhaps we've already known him or we've ever known in the past? Is it going to be a time in which our intimacy with Jesus, the one in the beginning, was the Word that John's writing about? And he's writing out of his friendship. He's writing out of his intimacy. Is this going to be a season— in which our intimacy with Christ is going to increase. This is going to be a season in which we're going to start sharing stories of what we've discovered for ourselves of who He is. We never add to the Scripture, we never dilute the Scripture, but the Scripture it is that invites us to know Him. When we find ourselves looking at Scripture verses and saying, I know Jesus in the light of this verse in this experience of my life, in this encounter with Him, in this uh, that I've gone through. Now, John uh, is also writing uh, as an eyewitness uh, of all that Jesus said uh, and did. And as an eyewitness, uh, he, he tells us very clearly why he has written. John 20, verse 30 and 31. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. <clears throat> I don't know if you're the kind of person that before you read a book, you read the back. You know, some people that kind of they, they kind of want to know how it pans out before they pan in, right? Uh, you know, they kind of go to the back, they go to the last chapter and kind of a quick check and you know, how does this end? Or they kind of read as much as they can about the book before they actually start reading the book? John is very honest with us. He actually says, the reason I've written all of this, chapter 20 is the penultimate chapter, but the reason I've written all of it is that you might know who Jesus is and that you might have life in Jesus' name. My friends, we're entering into an interesting time in our nation. It's great to hear the elders. It's great to hear Robbie say, you know, pray for one another, encourage one another, care for one another love one another, support one another. All of that's great. Do that. Do that in abundance. But my friend, I want to encourage you, exhort you, inspire you. This is the most incredible opportunity for the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been living in a nation that has been caught up in all manner of nonsense for such a long time. And suddenly its focus is in the reality of living and dying. And you and I are messengers of reconciliation with the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in a relationship with the eternal Jesus. This is the most incredible opportunity for the gospel. The most incredible opportunity for the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. I was talking earlier on about the other Gospels. Matthew, one of the synoptic Gospels, Matthew uh, writes uh, in a very kind of uh, methodical uh, way. In fact, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very interested in the chronology and the biography of Jesus Christ. They're very interested in all of that. Uh, And Matthew starts with the genealogy, uh, and he builds up his picture of who Jesus is. Mark, Mark is very different. Mark is very fast-paced. He gets straight to uh, the life, the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke is very methodical. He's a doctor. I know there's a few in here, right? He's a doctor, and he's very deliberate, and he's very precise, and he builds up uh, all of his case, case by case by case. He gives us incredible detail, and his great emphasis is upon the humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ. But John, John has one goal in mind. One aim. He wants to paint the beauty. He wants to paint the supremacy of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he does that in a breathtaking way. And when you read through John's gospel, and that's probably my passion for it, right? He paints the deity. He paints the beauty. He paints the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he does it in an incredibly breathtaking way. You look through at the I Am Statements— about our Lord Jesus Christ. His emphasis on light and life and love. His emphasis and clarity on what it is to be saved. His emphasis on the way in which Jesus, during His earthly ministry, is divinely dependent uh, upon His Father. The focus uh, on accomplishing all that the Father has sent Him to do. The deity of Jesus uh, is lifted up and exalted. In Proverbs, uh, chapter 8, 27 through 30, uh, we read this. Read it alongside John 1, 1 and 2. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress His command. When He marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside Him like a master workman, and I was daily His delight, rejoicing before Him always. You know, John uh, is an eyewitness of all the events uh, of the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, of the ministry and accomplishments of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in the midst of the situation and circumstance we find ourselves in, not only will the depth of our intimacy of Jesus grow, but what kind of witness will we be? As the people of God, we ought to just love and care for one another and support. That's good. But what kind of witness shall we be uh, in the midst of the situation and circumstance? That what we find ourselves in, it will flow out of that special relationship we have. What kind of witness will be? Will it be the people of God who are bringing the ministry of compassion and care and practical help and the good news of Jesus Christ and the good news of the gospel and the reality of heaven set against the reality of hell? Will we, in actual fact, be driven at this time? as John was, to make known Jesus in order that people might believe, and in believing in Him, they might have life, life eternal, life that transcends this world. What kind of witnesses uh, will we be uh, in the midst of all uh, that we're going through? Look with me for a moment at uh, verse 1 and verse 2 of uh, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. What we discover there in verses 1 and 2 is the eternal Jesus, and the eternal Jesus has an eternal purpose— and the entire life of the universe is captured by the omnipotent, the omniscient, the omnipresent Jesus. He is always, has been, always will be the all-powerful, the all-seeing, the all-knowing One. Jesus is unchanging. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, I know—let me just say a little word of commendation. I know how difficult it is in the midst of a vacancy to be a church member. I know how difficult it is in the midst of a vacancy to be a member of a search committee. I know how difficult it is in the midst of a vacancy to be an elder or, or a deacon in the life of a church. And people sometimes think we're not hearing enough or not finding out enough. I don't, what's happening? I want to know. Sometimes we're just nosy. Right? But I want to say that I've had the privilege of being an advisor to your search committee and they have been diligent And they have worked hard. And they've explored some potential possibilities that have not come to anything. That's why they didn't feed back all of that. They just had to ride that out. But here's the thing you know, sometimes we can become so very much focused on finding a lead pastor. You know, I rejoiced when I I heard about David's final Sunday morning. Was it five baptisms, nine new members? You don't need a lead pastor, right? Now, I'm not saying you're not going to look for one. You are, just in case somebody goes, oh my goodness, what kind of things we said here, right? But what I'm saying is the church is growing. May this church grow more in vacancy than perhaps it has done in established ministry. But may it do so because the people of God are the people who realize that they're in a unique relationship to Jesus, they know him, that he's placed within him the eternal message of the gospel, that they are witnesses to that because they know the transformation in their life, and they want to communicate that to others. They want to share that. You know how people come along to church? It's not because of guys like me. It's because of people like you. It's because you share the good news of Jesus Christ with family, with friends, with neighbors, with colleagues. It's because in the midst of a world looking for answers, you hold out the reality of the answer of Jesus Christ. And you share with them the gospel, and you invite them to faith, not to church. You invite them to faith in Jesus Christ. You know, they'll understand church when they've got faith in Jesus Christ. You know, somebody invited me to church before I was a Christian. I've got to be honest, I came in and I looked around and I thought, this place is mad. Right? I wasn't a believer. They were singing ancient old hymns. The organist had a cape on, looked like Batman, right? There was a choir up there that were not a choir, because I'm not a singer, but I could tell that very few of them were, right? And I'm in a church, and it's not making much sense. But then, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who was in the beginning, was the Word, the the eternal Jesus, the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent One. He makes Himself known through His Word. He makes Himself known through His Word, through a believer who shares the good news of Jesus Christ. And I come to church on the first Sunday after believing, and suddenly it makes sense. I know why they're praising God. Because I'm a believer. And they announced to him, to God be the glory, great things he had done. And, and, and I understood it, because God had done great things in my life. A repentant sinner had been saved. And so I'm standing there, to God be the glory, great things. It wasn't musical, it was just there. We women, two rows in front of me, turned around and she said, oh son, you're a marvelous singer are you a professional? (laughs) The only thing I was was saved. It made sense, right? Share as witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ this Jesus, this eternal Jesus that you know. And I want to say something. I know you're looking uh, for a lead pastor, and that's that's a good thing, But that's not going to stop God driving out his witnesses right now to speak of him. That's not going to stop God driving out his witnesses right now to communicate who Jesus is to lost souls. You know, we're living on the brink of a very real threat to many people's health through the coronavirus. But he's placed you and I in a relationship with the eternal Jesus. He's given you, you and I an eternal message that that we can lift anyone out of the realms of this broken and fractured world, this sinful and fallen world. We can lift them out of all of that into the eternal reality of a relationship with Christ that will never perish, fade, or spoil. It cannot be reached by any virus. You know, you could contract coronavirus and die Today, but if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's promotion. That's what we believe as the people of God. But we believe, we've got an eternal message that brings eternal life to a world that is dying without Christ, and a world that is threatened by the reality of something that could bring that about quicker than they expected. We are his witnesses. When you look at, in the beginning was the word, we all know, I'm not a Greek scholar and I make no pretenses, we all know that that's the Greek word for logos. And when you look at that, you see parallels in John 1, 1 with Genesis 1. In the beginning was God. In the beginning was the word. God's creative power is unleashed in creation. When you look through the Psalms, you'll find the same word is used in the Psalms, but it's used there to speak of deliverance and of judgment. And they, again, hold on to that thought. And as I read this morning in the Proverbs, there we find the same word, but this time it's clothed in a person. Now, who is the creator of all things? who is the deliverer of all people? Who is the judge before whom we will stand? Where is wisdom, the wisdom of the Word, the reality of who God is, clothed and revealed to you and I? It is in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I would love to be able to play a musical instrument, but I cannot. And if I played it, you would not last. I would love to. My brother is an incredible artist, and he can go to a canvas, as can my father, and he can create on a canvas images that are mind-boggling, I cannot. I still draw houses as little squares with four square windows and a door and an upside down boat for a roof. And I still put chimneys on it. I'm not blessed with art. But I was given words. I've got a lot of words. I talk a lot. You know, so, you know, words are incredible. Words, in actual fact, are, are how we communicate our inner thoughts. They're how we communicate, uh, how we express uh, all. Uh, that's going on. We give our inner thoughts expression as we use words. Well, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The eternal Jesus Reflects the mind of God. The eternal Jesus reveals God to man. Jesus gives expression that you and I can understand to who God is. In the beginning was the Word. Jesus, in all his creative and recreative power, in all his paying the penalty for the judgment that ought to fall on us, in all his deliverance, and as John says, in all his beauty, in all his supremacy, Jesus makes known to us. He reveals God to us. If you want to know anything of God, then look at Jesus— If you want to know anything of the Creator God, then look at Jesus. If you want to understand the manifestation of who God is, then look at Jesus. Look at the eternal Jesus. You know something, you know, there are many, many people much kind of more academically inclined than me. A little bit later tonight, we'll we'll look a little bit at that creative order. Not a lot, you know. I'll tell you why not a lot. Because, and this is no disrespect to the scientists amongst you, we need scientists, right? But I'm a psalmist, not a scientist. Do you know what I mean? I can't tell you all about it, but I can't tell you who made it, and I praise him to the heavens for it. We need to learn what it is to look at the revelation of who God is in Christ. The one who has always existed in the closest relationship to the Father. The one who has always shared the eternal nature of who God is. The one who is fully divine. Mark begins his gospel by saying, the beginning of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we understand what Mark meant when he said that, the beginning of the gospel. It's his account of, Uh, of the fast-paced account of the ministry of Jesus Christ. But here's the truth about Jesus. He's got an unbeginning beginning and an unending end. That's why you and I need to look at him. You see, you've got a start point. It's called your day of your birth. You know, my wife and I are currently waiting for our daughter to give us grandchild number three. We're 14 days post-date, by the way. Right? So any minute now, I'm, I'm ready to leap into action, right? As Papa, right? That's who I am. And uh, at the end of the day, I'm ready. For, I know I don't look old enough, three grand. Right? But at the end of the day, I'm, And we're waiting for that. We've got a day of birth. And we know also that there's a, a day set for our departure from this life. We, we know the sovereign God's got that in His hands, right? So we don't gather as a people who are afraid in the midst of the current crisis, we gather as a people who know whose hands it's in. Right? But when it comes to Jesus, an unbeginning beginning, an unending end. There's never been a time when he was not. Never. Think about that. This is your friend. This is the one that you're a witness to. There's never been a time when he was not. There never will be a time when he is not, right? An unbeginning beginning, an unending end, right? You and I sometimes sit and think, what will heaven be like? It'll be nothing like our imagination, right? But at the end of the day, uh, you know, it'll be in the presence of the eternal Jesus. He was there before all of creation. You know, so my friend, in the midst of vacancy, in the midst of coronavirus. You know, your vacancy and coronavirus did not take God by surprise. I mean, He's not sitting there going, you know, having a meeting of the heavenly beings saying, what will we do, right? You know, He's still on His plan. He's still on His path. Nothing has changed for the people of God. Can I say any kind of legislative changes are only have to do with being a charity in a public space and all that, nothing has changed in the ministry. Nothing has changed in the mission of the people of God. We still want to make the eternal Jesus known that by making him known, people might have life in his name. Nothing's changed. The eternal Jesus has a purpose, and he's working out his eternal purpose in our midst. So, a couple of things in closing. You know, right. I went to park my car and I thought, "Do I need to pay?" And I realised you get to one o'clock, and I thought they must try and get everybody out for one o'clock, so you don't. But uh, I thought when revival breaks out, we're all going to get fined. <laughs> but well, no matter, It'll no matter, like right, right. Uh, when it when it happens, right? But we're all going to get fined. Which, there you go, but couple of things, just a thought. Sometimes we only read John 1, 1 and 2, uh, and the opening verses at Christmas. You notice that? We save this for one week or one month or a year, right? <laughs> this is every day, right? But we, we kind of like Christmas text. We move it there, right? We also do that with some, you notice that? Some belter, of Christmas songs that we ought to sing all the year through. You know, and, and, you know, who is he in yonder stall? At whose feet the angel. Tis the Lord, the King of glory. That's for every Sunday, not just for Christmas, right? Uh, but at the end of the day, we kind of do that. We kind of section things up. And sometimes we kind of compartmentalize our thinking. We think incarnation at Christmas. A.W. Tozer said this. He said, you know, you can look all the world over. You can marvel at the most majestic mountains. You can contemplate cascading waterfalls and meandering rivers. You can look at vast lakes and streams. You can be captured by all of this world's beauty. But you will never, never, ever, ever find anything so beautiful, so majestic, so breathtaking as the incarnation of God in Christ. You will never find anything to compare with the incarnation of God in Christ. And some of you might have been in some good holidays and taken some great snaps and looked at some incredible places. But nothing will compare. With the wonder of the incarnate Christ. God's incomprehensible love shown to us in an act of condescension that's staggering to behold. One of the other hymns I learned early doors in my Christian experience, and we sang. At my wedding, love divine, all love's excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling, all thy faithful mercies crown. Jesus, thou art all compassion, pure, unbounded love thou art. Visit us with thy salvation. Enter every trembling heart. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. This is our eternal Jesus who takes up residence in our lives. my friends, marvel at the wonder of the Incarnation. Jesus is central in what it is to think about God, in what it is to approach God, in what it is to relate to God. You see, when we contest Jesus amidst the world's many deities, we need to say, Jesus needs to be the preeminent one, the supreme one. There are no other deities can stand in his presence. They fall in the presence of Jesus. He is the one that we need to think about when we think about God. He is the one through whom we can approach God. He is the one, the only one, through whom we can relate finally in the person of Jesus. And I don't mean finally we've been waiting. I mean finally. There is no other word. Jesus is God's word to the world. He shares the same essence. He shares the same nature with God. And as a result, He alone deserves all of our worship all of our praise, and all of our adoration. But friends of Jesus, witnesses of the reality of who Jesus Christ is, you and I should obey him without hesitation, without debate, without deliberation, without dialogue. You and I should just be obedient to what he has said. And what does he say to his people? You are salt and light. You are salt and light. Within you, the message of the eternal Jesus that can move a person from death to life resides. Within you, Message eternal Jesus that can move a person from darkness to light resides. Within you, the message that can move a person from a lost eternity to life eternal in the presence of the one who's got an unbeginning beginning and unending end resides. These are exciting times. Exciting times for the people of God. And I want to encourage us in the midst of where we find ourselves to know Him more, to share Him more, to worship Him more, and to be obedient to Him in this day and in this age.